thanksgiving. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and multiply His grace to you as you come to worship Him this morning. If you're joining us for a live stream, we're happy to have you with us as well. Let me give you several uh, announcements, and most of them are actually pertaining to the holiday season. Uh, number one is that, uh, so the International Mission Board, or the IMB, uh, does its annual offering, which is called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, and every money that they are able to, uh, to collect goes to the mission field. So uh, if you are unfamiliar with the IMB, they're a missions sending agency, and all of their missionaries are fully supported, so they don't have to raise their own support, and it's done by the generosity of many churches across the world that pool their resources together to be able to send out missionaries and support them in the preaching of the gospel. And so they have their yearly uh, annual offering, which is a Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and so they're collecting that all throughout this month. Uh, we'll start including them in the bulletin uh, beginning next week, but, if you, but they have these, specific, these, specific, these particular envelopes that you'll find in the back. You can make out a check if you are interested and willing and able to, or you can just make out a check uh, to the church and just make sure you put somewhere on the memo line IMB so that we know that this is going to uh, the IMB. Um, also in the back, there's a pamphlet back there, uh, and December 4th through 11th is, uh, is, the, is the week of prayer for missions, and so please feel free to grab one of those as a fodder for prayer for that week of prayer. And then uh, secondly, uh, Christmas Eve uh, will fall on a Saturday this year, so we'll have a traditional Christmas Eve service, which uh, typically concludes with a lighting of candles and singing uh, Silent Night. Typically, that service runs between 35 and 45 minutes long. It'll be here December 24th at the church, beginning at 6 p.m. And then the following day, which is Christmas Day, we'll have our service here at the church. Now, for that service, we will not have Sunday school that morning, and we won't have nursery or children's church as well. We did this in part because we wanted to make it available for everybody to be here on Sunday morning, if you're around, that is to be able to, to worship, to celebrate, to sing carols, and just to remind ourselves of the holiday season and think about Christ together, and just to provide an opportunity for family units to come together to be able to worship the Lord Jesus with their kids as well. And so that service will uh, probably be a little bit shorter as well, uh, probably an hour, probably a little bit less, so it will consist of singing carols and sing songs to the Lord and a, a, a shorter a sermon for that Sunday. Um, I have one more announcement that I actually won't make, uh, so with that I'll invite uh, Boyd to make uh, this one last announcement, and then we will proceed with our service. So uh, this past week, many of you, if you read the uh, weekly announcement email that uh, Ademi sends out on Wednesday, would have seen that my son's church out in Kansas City is sending a group of uh, its members over to Madagascar to support some missionaries that they have sent over, I think about six years ago is what the letter said. Um, they're in a very remote area, um, in an area that's very unreached. And they're just going over to support these missionaries that they've sent over that were former members of their church. They do have a couple of their members that are still not supported. And so if anybody would like to make a donation directly to that church, the letter that was in the email has all the information on how to do that. Or you can ask Rhonda or I, and we'll be happy to give you a copy of the letter. Um, the church is a really small church that he's a part of. It's 
mostly fusion graduates, uh, which is a program that he went through, which is a missions program. And uh, they, they, they're in a very, very small church with not a lot of means. They're in a working class area, and their church's ministry really is to a wide, diverse people group there in Kansas City. Uh, and they're just doing some really neat things. But uh, they're looking for other churches that might be willing to reach out and support them. So we just wanted to make uh, everybody aware. They are leaving in like a week. Doesn't mean that they have to have the money within a week. But uh, if you would consider it and pray for it, I would appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, so... Traditionally, during the holiday season and the uh, the Advent uh, season of Advent and the weeks leading up to Christmas Day, uh, we traditionally have an Advent reading on Sunday mornings. And so, from here on out, actually uh, look forward to having uh, other people uh, come and do the Advent reading for us. But this is just a, a time that functions as a call to worship for us to focus on uh, on worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, but also as a time when we can also focus on the gift that God has given to the world, and that is Jesus Christ as our Savior, and so helping us to remind, to remind ourselves of, uh, uh, of something that is worthy of all praise, uh, of a gift that is worthy of, of honoring, and that is God's gift. And so uh, with that, we have a, 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 a passage of Scripture and then a, a devotional to read, and so uh, and sort of to, to get us started, I'm going to do that for us this morning, and then, we'll, uh, then I'll pray, and then we will move on with the rest of our service, and we can worship the Lord through song. So this Advent reading is from Matthew 22, verses 1 through 3, where it says, And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. In reading through the Gospels, you learn that Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to several different things, such as a pearl of great value, a rich treasure, and a wedding feast. A wedding feast is marked with celebration, joy, and laughter. Invited guests make much of the couple as they behold the man and woman coming together in covenant matrimony. The invitation which the wedding guests receive is an invitation to come and see and celebrate. On a seemingly normal evening, Shepherds sat below a dark sky, perhaps heavy with drowsiness, as they tended and watched over their flock. Then suddenly the dark sky was torn asunder like the ripping of a curtain to reveal a luminous heaven. What was the reason for this great light? The shepherds were receiving an invitation. A king has sent a messenger to invite the shepherds to behold a spectacular event and celebrate, which was the birth of the king's son and the savior of the world. The king's invitation to come and see and celebrate has no expiration. Even today, there remains an invitation to come and see and celebrate the Savior's birth. In many cases, lack of financial resources and or the capacity of the venue prevent couples from inviting as many people as they would like to their wedding. However, the king's invitation is not impeded by finances for the king is rich. Nor should anyone worry that the venue is limited, for the king's venue can hold an infinite capacity. What's more, the king invites all people, no matter who you are or what you have done, to come and see and celebrate. 
Unto you has been gifted a Savior who was born to save his people from their sins. Let us draw near today and behold him, worship him, celebrate him, and make much of him. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Lord, we gather together this morning in response to what we have heard, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. We gather here this morning in response to what we have read in your scriptures concerning God, concerning salvation, concerning Christ. And we come this morning in your presence in response to what we have seen. That is, what we have seen as we look inward at the transformation that we have experienced in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we behold the lives of others here this morning whose lives have been powerfully transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in response, Lord, we desire to worship you and honor you for what you have done for us, namely in giving us your Son to be our Savior. Let us come together to worship you, to glorify you, to honor you, and to be reminded to make much of this great gift that has been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Let's stand and worship. Sing together.
continue worshiping. Amen. Come thou clouds of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. And teach me some melodious sonnets sung by flaming tongues above. Praise of clouds, I fix upon it, clouds of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither
Father, we worship you this morning, celebrating and honoring, Lord, your name, Jesus. Lord, we, we, we celebrate the coming of our Messiah, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, what a gift it is. What a gift it is to be given and gifted the gift of salvation of opening our eyes, Lord, to your people, to your children, adopting us, Lord, into your family, making us yours. What a gift. And, he, and we are here to celebrate just that. And so this morning, Lord, I, I pray that, um, that you may lead us, Lord. Uh, lead our time today. Lead our time in the Word, in our time in prayer, and in song as well. May you be glorified in this time. And may we continue, Lord, to celebrate and honor you in this way uh, throughout this Advent season. So, Father, we thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, church, you may be seated. At this time, we'll be uh, dismissing uh, children to their classrooms as well. I'll read to us from Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3, and then we will we'll pray. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Lord, you are worthy of all honor and worship and praise. Lord, we come to you heeding the, the invitation, the commandment of the psalm to come and sing to you, 
to declare what you have done, to tell of your salvation from day to day. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our life. You are the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One who's been set apart by God to be the Savior of men. You are holy and glorious. Your radiance outshines the sun. Your splendor is great, greater than the pearls and the diamonds of earth. And we come to you this morning desirous of ascribing to you the praise and worthy that you are worthy of because of who you are and because of what you have done for us. Lord, you are our greatest treasure. Even as we come to you to worship you this morning, Lord, we also come in the confession of our sins. We confess, Lord, that we do not always prize you as a great treasure that you are. That we are oftentimes sinful, preferring the cheap pleasures of the flesh and of the world over the deep satisfaction of walking in the holiness that you have purchased for us, which we receive through your Spirit. Lord, as we give our attention to the holiday celebrations, Lord, we do not want to prize the gifts of the world more than the one who graciously bestows upon us everything that we need today and every day for life and for godliness. Lord, forgive us for those moments when we prize the things of the world or prize and make much of our own selfish desires and fail to make much of our dear and precious Savior. And God, we're thankful that despite our sins, you still welcome us and you invite us to draw near to you. And as we draw near your presence, we find mercy and we find grace. And we also find great delight and joy in the gospel. Father, as we think about the holiday season, Lord, help us to not become materialistic. Help us to not prize material objects. Rather, we pray that you might help us to take whatever it is that we might receive this holiday season and use it to enhance our great joy and satisfaction in Christ. Teach us to be always thankful unto you for all that we have and all that we receive. Lord, and during the holidays, as we give time and attention to thinking about the great gift that's been given to us, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, give us the boldness, give us the courage, give us those opportunities to share the gift of the gospel with others, whether it's friends, whether it's co-workers, whether it's family members, that we would cease on this holiday by sharing the gospel and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for, for Wayne Kenny. We pray that you would graciously be with him, that your face would continue to shine upon him. Lord, bind his heart to your word, that he may be increasingly so a man of the word. We pray for Chanton. We pray that you would continue to strengthen her and encourage her and provide your sustaining grace each and every day. Lord, we pray for those who may be anxious about the holidays, 
for those who feel a degree of sadness as they think about loved ones who have moved on past this life. We pray for those who desire to celebrate and rejoice with family members, but yet have a measure of sorrow as they think about lost loved ones. Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to them and comfort their hearts. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen them. May this holiday season be such a vivid and tangible reminder to them of your great and deep love for them as they think about the gospel of Christ and the great gift that you have given unto your people. Help them to look to Christ. We pray for our sister Ina York as she continues to minister in the DR. Lord, we pray that you would provide for her every need in Christ Jesus, whether it's comfort, whether it's peace, whether it's stability, whether it's security, whether it's financial provision, whether it's staffing. Lord, provide for all that she needs as she endeavors to continue to minister the gospel to those who have yet to believe in the name of Christ. Father, we pray for New England, and we pray and ask that you might turn many hearts to Christ, that many would prize Jesus and treasure Jesus above all things, and find in him satisfaction, contentment, peace, and joy. God, we pray for our country. We pray that we might all be able to live peaceably and quietly. We pray that justice would reign that righteousness would characterize our government and leaders, that uprightness might permeate every office of great authority in our land. And Jesus, we pray, lastly, for those who work in education. Lord, fill them with wisdom, with knowledge, with discernment. We pray that you would guard their hearts and minds, bless their work, and use them to be a blessing to their students and others that they work with. We pray, God, that through them, that is their words, their deeds, their very character, that you might shine your illustrious light. And through that light, compel others to come to Christ. And that when others do and are attracted to this light that is in them, that they, that your people might be ready to share the hope of the gospel. Lord, we trust you for all of these things. And God, we look forward to all that you are going to do. Keep our eyes fixed on Christ every season of the year, but especially so in this holiday season. And Lord, we lastly join our hearts as we pray also the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in the scriptures. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you would, please turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 8 
to verse 20. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we desire to join the angels of heaven in celebrating and worshiping this great gift that has been given to us, this good news for all the world that a Savior has been born Even as we come together this morning, under the authority of your word, Lord, through your spirit, speak into our hearts and cause our hearts, Lord, to continue in celebration and in worship for this great gift that has been given to us, apprehended only by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Some of the things that we might consider in the value of an item, it's how it's manufactured and its supply. Right? How hard is it to produce this object? And is it difficult? Is it hard? Is it rare? And how much people want this item? Because the more of the item there is, right, the less valuable it becomes. There's a reason why diamonds are so expensive, because they're hard to produce. They're hard to find. And there are so few of them, and yet there are so many people who desire and want them. And so in that sense, you have sort of this objective value placed upon an object such as a diamond. But just because a diamond has this objective value about it doesn't mean that it holds the same value to each and every person without exception. Take, for instance, this quite a... I find it quite ludicrous, but you might be surprised to hear that just recently that Steve Jobs' sandals recently sold at auction for $220,000. 
which is quite outrageous, and quite frankly, I find that to be quite disgusting to wear another, to you know, own somebody else's sandals. But somebody clearly thought that this had that kind of value, whereas for probably most of us, if not all of us, we might think, no, a pair of sandals does not have that kind of value. We would never pay anything remotely close to a pair of sandals or for a pair of sandals. But you can kind of see how the value of something can be pretty subjective based on the person. Just because one person might value a gift, that might mean something totally different to somebody else. Even though the object itself might have a lot of value to it. Even if you could afford to buy an expensive diamond, you might still think that it's not worth buying. When it comes to the value of an item, or the value of a moment, or the value of a person, or the value of an event, the value of something can sometimes be seen in the number of people who participate in ascribing value to that one event, or person, or object. And you can see that in in some ways, in how people might worship. So we come to this passage this morning, as we think about the holidays, which is a wonderful time, full of celebration, gathered, gathering together with family, receiving gifts and giving gifts. But it also a time; it can be a time of distraction, especially for us as believers may distract us from the greatest gift that God has given to us, and that is His Son. And this passage points us to the nature of worship, and the nature of worship is that it is both celebratory and it's also participatory. And we see both of these things in this passage, and both of those things come together in worship directed to a particular object that is worthy of being celebrated and is worthy of our participating in worship. So firstly, as we direct our attention to this passage, there's an invitation to celebrate and participate. Consider the nature of worship. Worship, by nature, is a response. It is something that you do in response to something that you treasure, something that you value, something that you prize. And worship is oftentimes a reflection of what you value. And so you worship what you value. And you can tell a lot about what, how you value something based on a number of factors. Like, for example, how much time do you dedicate to a particular object or an event or an item? Do you give a lot of attention and time to it? How often do you talk about it? Do you delight talking about this object? Or how about your thoughts? Do you, do you spend a lot of mental energy thinking about this particular event or item or person, these things can help determine how much you value this thing or these things. And worship is a form of celebration. What you value, you also celebrate. So take, for instance, a sports team, right? If you enjoy watching the Red Sox and you want to go see them play in person, then you will make the time. You will spend the money to purchase tickets. You will go and you will applaud every time they score. Right, and you do that, and it's a natural response. You do that because you value the game. You value the team. 
And worship is something that you cannot help but do. When you appreciate something, what completes the appreciation is when you actually worship in some way. Sometimes it's applause, sometimes it's standing ovation, sometimes it's just complete silence. So if you were to stand before the Grand Canyon, perhaps, people might respond to that in different ways. For some, they sit still. They don't have any words to describe what they see before them. They try to, to take it all in. That's all a form of worship. Some will take money upon many pictures. That's also a form of worship. Or listening to your favorite musician play at a concert. You stand, you applaud, and you also sing with them. That's a form of worship. You are celebrating that which you value. In Exodus 32 After the Israelites were delivered from slavery in Egypt, they desired to worship. And so they go to Aaron, Moses' second in command, and it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. The desire to worship something. We want to worship something. Who is this God that has saved us? And so they create this image. And in response, if you continue to read, they get up and they play, which essentially means they indulge in sin and they worship. They subject themselves to a wrong kind of worship, sinful worship, and worshiping the wrong thing but it came out of a desire to worship. And so once they receive their golden image, their God, they respond in adoration. So worship is celebratory, but worship is also participatory. Not only do we want to enjoy things that we value, but we sometimes also invite others as well to join us. Right, so if I enjoy a game and I know somebody else who enjoys the game, then I will invite the person with me because it only enhances the experience to be able to enjoy something that you value with someone else. And the astounding thing is, is that nobody thinks there's anything wrong with that. Right, nobody thinks it's selfish, like, oh, why would I go and buy this ticket to go see this team or to see this concert, to see these people play? Like, that's so selfish of them that they would invite me to come and worship with them. Or take a wedding wedding celebration or a wedding invitation. The couple sends out the RSVPs, the, the, the invitation, and you receive the RSVP. Here's who's getting married. Here's the date. Right? Nobody sees that invitation and says, wow, that's so egotistical of them. Nobody says, wow, that's so selfish of them that they would invite me to come and make much of them and see them put up on this pedestal and worship them. That way we have no... Nothing wrong. We don't see anything wrong with that. Because we can tell the difference between someone who wants to just make much of themselves and being, and being invited to take part in a celebration. And so we consider it a joy to take part in this event, such as a wedding. You can tell a lot about how much value a person ascribes to an object by how they respond to that object. Which takes us to thinking about gifts and the value of a gift. Because how we value a gift 
can also be a worshipful response. The holiday season is a wonderful season, and yet it can also be a notorious holiday as well. Because during the holiday season, not only do we receive things that we desire, but we also tend to receive things that we don't really care for. Things that are not really valuable to us, that might be valuable to somebody else. Or it's a holiday season when we feel like we are obliged to give somebody a gift that we don't really want to give a gift to, either because we know this person is going to give us something and so we feel obliged to return in favor. Or maybe it's somebody you don't think is deserving a particular gift, but you do it because you sort of have to. Sometimes we give very little thought. Like, oh, just get something, it's just done it, off the list, it's done, it's over with. I can move on to thinking about something else. There's this scene in, in the Grinch movie, the Jim Carrey's rendition of, of the Grinch, where he is, the Grinch is in the town square, and, and he's talking to all the people. And he's talking about how they make much of the holiday season, how, much, how they make much of giving gifts to one another, and yet, where do they, most of those gifts end up? They end up in the dump where he lives. Right, people, and you might have said this yourself, well, it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. It doesn't matter what the gift is. It's the thought that counts until you actually unwrap the gift that's been given to you, and then it's not really a value to you then, is it? And then what do we typically do with gifts that we don't have any value for or we can't, or have any use for? Right, There's no shame in admitting it that we will probably try to figure out where the, the gift was purchased and try to return it for cash, or we'll donate it to Goodwill. So certainly, certainly thought matters, thoughtfulness matters, but value matters as well. And I'm not talking about how much money you spend, though sometimes to be thoughtful requires to spend a little bit more than you expected. But I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about the usefulness of the gift. Right? Can you use it? Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Will it help you complete certain tasks? That helps to determine the value of the gift. And then how we respond can tell us a lot about how much we value that gift. And when we receive something that we value, right, sometimes we'll invite others to participate as well. Right, we'll say, look at what the, I received because you enjoy it, because you love it. We thought it was really thoughtful and you invite somebody else. Hey, look and behold this. And it's not egotistical and it's not selfish. But you want others to join you in participating as well. I mean, kids naturally do this themselves. When they receive something or they do something, they usually tell other people about it as well because they want you to be happy with them. That's a natural human response especially when something has made an impression upon our affections, which then produces an action. So then thinking about this passage, in verse 10, again, it says, The angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
So this is an invitation to come and prize and value something that is worth valuing and something worth prizing. What is this object? And the angel says this is, is something that is good news for all the world. And this is God's gift. One who has come to save people from their sins. And that demands worship, both in your outer being and in your inner being. In Romans 12, verse 1, after Paul, the Apostle Paul, has given us a lengthy understanding of what the gospel is, he tells us, therefore, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. In other words, in response to the gospel, in response to all that you have come to understand about the gospel, worship. Present your life as an act of worship unto the Lord. Jonathan Edwards, theologian, speaks of this threefold movement concerning the glory and glorifying God and praising God. He says the first in this threefold movement is God's glory in his inner life of love. And so within this, the Godhead, that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, there's this perfection of love, Perfection of unity, perfection of affection, perfection of intimacy. All these things that make for a good relationship. And then the second of this threefold movement is when out of the abundance of that glory in this triune relationship, God creates man in his image. He pours out his glory and he creates us and communicates with us so that we might then know who he is. And the third of this threefold movement is when his, his people participate in God's glory. It is when we respond to the knowledge of God with adoration and praise and affectionately move towards him as he invites us into his triune relationship in glory. Right, so this is love within the Trinity that spills over in creating man in his image and God communicates who he is to man and then in response, his people worship. This is true, Godward, Christ-centered, spirit-enabled worship. And it's a kind of worship that we want to give our lives to in response to who God is and what he has done for us. The passage points us to the great worth of God's gift. And true worship is when our entire being responds to the great worth of that gift in a way that showcases the worth of that gift. Now, secondly, the value of God's gift. There's an objective value to the, to the God's gift. Again, verse 11 says to us, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Which then moves to worship. And this gift is Jesus Christ. By his very title we see who he is, that he is one who is consecrated, one who is set apart by God for a specific task. And Isaiah 61, speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ, this one who is a gift to the world that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And later on in Jesus, in his life, he will go into the temple and read this very passage, and he will say, this day, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. Because he is the one who has been anointed by God, set apart. To set God's people free from their sins. Luke 1, verse 30. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Not only is this gift of great value because of what this gift has come to do, but also because this gift is the very Son of God. Children of royalty inherit the same dignity and respect of their parents. In Luke 20, verse 9, it speaks to this idea. This is Jesus telling a parable. He began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. Now why does the owner assume that his sending his son will mean that these wicked tenants will respect the son. Because, for, because the son goes on the father's behalf. Because to speak, for the son to speak is to speak the very words of the father. The presence of the son is the presence of the father. The dignity, the respect of the father is also inherent to the son. So that the son not only represents the father, but the son is also the father. So this is what Jesus is as God's gift to the world. Not only does he speak the words of God, not only does he do the will and the works of God, not only does he teach us of God, not only does he represent God, but Jesus Christ is God, the Father. Now his value also comes from what he has come to do. Again, verse 10 says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then following that, his title, that is Christ, has, tells us everything about him, that he, what he has come to do. He was consecrated for a particular purpose, and Matthew one twenty one tells us that Jesus has come into the world in order to save his people from their sins. That is what this gift has come to do. That is, what, that is what this gift has come to accomplish. To break us free from the shackles of our sins. To destroy the power and the works of the devil. To provide deliverance from all those who are in darkness. To take the punishment for our sins. And so therefore, he is worthy of all praise. There is no, reason, there is no wonder then why there is this angel, these angels in heaven praising God. 
There's a reason why these, these shepherds are invited to come and participate and celebrate the Savior who has been born into the world because this Jesus is the great treasure of the world. Greater than the treasure that one man found and sold all to acquire this field where this treasure was. That Jesus Christ is the great pearl of great value worth selling everything for because nothing compares to having Jesus Christ. When it comes to determining the value of an object, sometimes we judge it by its rarity. Right? Is it common or is it rare? And Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son, meaning that there will be no other gift, meaning that there will be no other Savior. There is no other way by which men will be saved from their sins apart from Jesus Christ. And we judge the value of an object based on its usefulness. Can I use it? Would it be helpful to me? If not, then it's not really valuable to me at all. But Jesus Christ is the most useful gift for the world because only the gift of Jesus can save anybody from the judgment that their sins deserve. But one might ask, well, why isn't there more people worshiping the Lord Jesus? Doesn't this then mean that this gift is not as valuable or as praiseworthy as you make it out to be? Right? If he is this great value, then there should be more people worshiping. Does it not mean it's really not that valuable? But the problem doesn't lie with the gift, but the problem is with man. As I said earlier, we worship by nature. It is a natural response to things that we value, things that we hold dearly, things that we prize. But our problem is that we tend to worship those things that are not worthy of worshiping or valuing. valuing. Right, case in point, take the holiday season, for example. Wonderful time. Celebrate the holiday season, but it also has a propensity towards materialism. To be more focused on the objects of the holiday season, to thinking about those things. And Deuteronomy 8 warns us about forgetting the Lord because of materialism, Deuteronomy 8.11 says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and living them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, We would be thinking of ourselves too highly if we thought that we would be impervious to the materialism of the world, to think that we could never forget the world because we have so much. But we have to recognize and admit to ourselves that there is this propensity 
in our sinful nature to prize the gifts rather than the one who ultimately gives us the gifts and the power and the ability to provide for ourselves. And because by nature we don't often worship the things that are worth worshiping, we're also just inconsistent across the board. Right? What one person values might not be valued by someone else. Right? So for example, if somebody gifted me a Lamborghini, I'd be elated. I'd be super excited. Now, on the other hand, if you gifted something like that to my wife, she'd probably be like, huh? What is that? Why is that thing so ugly? Can I just give it away to somebody? Right? Because to her, it doesn't mean much to her. She doesn't care about that. But it doesn't remove the objective value of the object. The problem is that we can't agree on what is worth valuing. It tends to be subjective, or we respond subjectively, subjectively even to things that are worth valuing and prizing and making much of. We can't rightly value those things to the degree that we should. Even the things that we should value and do value to some extent, we don't value as strongly as we should. Hence why you might have a person who places more value on their job than on their family. Or you might have someone who values material objects over relationships. Or a Christian who values knowledge over right living. Or a Christian who values personal time, the neglect of serving others. So we're inconsistent. We don't value to the degree the things that we should be valuing. And we tend to value the things that are not valuable. We tend to value cheap, sinful pleasures, cheap, wicked thrills, cheap moments of shameful indulgences, chasing cheap, carnal desires that ultimately never satisfy. And we are this way because all men without exception wear the cheap rags of sin. And because we always wear these rags of sin, it's a propensity to always go about hunting for bargains, buying those things that cost very little or nothing at all, but are valueless and are not good quality about them. And so we will buy the cheap rags of lust. We'll buy the cheap clothes of greed, of jealousy, of envy, of selfishness and self-centeredness. And for this purpose, Christ came into the world in order to awaken our hearts to worship what is worthy of worship, to recalibrate our hearts so that we place a right value on those things that are honoring to the Lord. So that we can value those things that are valuable and trash and mortify and flee from and disregard and ignore and cast away and stop shopping for the cheap bargains of sin that only enslave us and only make us deserving of God's judgment and wrath. Another question might be asked is, if Christ is supposed to be of extreme value, the most praiseworthy of all gifts, the gift 
that is deserving of all glory, why then wasn't this announcement made more public? I mean, it was only made to the shepherds, and there was probably a few others also who heard this news and went to worship. If this news was so grand, why wasn't more publicized to bring more people to worship and celebrate and participate in ascribing value to this gift that comes from the hand of God? Well, remember, we are terrible worshipers, and we are terrible at judging what, about what is valuable. But lack of worship does not always make something less valuable. And there are reasons why the value of Christ remains intact, even though there appears, appears to be very little worship in the giving of this gift. One reason is to protect the gift, namely from Herod, right, who upon hearing that another king had been born into the world saw it as a threat to his own throne and he sought to snuff out this gift by all means possible. Another reason why this gift isn't so publicized and many are not invited to participate and worship and prize the gift is in order to showcase the humility of Christ. Philippians 2.6 tells us of Jesus that he was in the form of God, yet did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The birth of Christ showcases the humility of Christ, a humility that would mark his entire life and ministry from the moment of his birth to the day of his death. Another reason why this event wasn't made as big as we might expect in order for Jesus to be that much more acquainted with those that he came to save. Hebrews 4.15, speaking of Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. Jesus wasn't born to royal parents. He was born in a manger, in the cover of the night, on a night, on a day that was just normal. And in this way that this Savior, this gift, came to be more acquainted with his people. And yet we do see so much celebration and so much worship that points to the great value of this great gift. We see it in the travel of the wise men. If you read the birth narrative, these wise men who have traveled far and wide to come and celebrate and worship the Savior who has been born into the world and, and, and honoring him by presenting gifts. We see this in the passage in the response of the shepherds who in haste go to see what the angels had made known to them. And in response, after seeing with their own eyes what God has done, they go and it says they praise God and glorify God. We see this in the opening of the curtains of the sky to reveal this heavenly choir, so that even while there may not be a whole lot of worship happening at that time on earth, what we see is that there is actually this great celebration happening in heaven. And all these points to the great value and worth of this gift. 
All of these things serve to protect and showcase to us the great glory, the preciousness, the praiseworthiness of the gift has been given to us. And it's there for us to embrace and to treasure as our greatest possession, which can only be acquired by faith in him and not earned by man's cheap works. For these reasons, then, as we consider the holiday season that is before us, third and lastly, let us make much of Christ. Let us be intentional in making much of Jesus Christ. How do we do this? First, prize the gift that has been given to you. Again, consider the passage. There is a heavenly invitation extended to these nameless shepherds to go participate and celebrate this gift that's been given unto the world. And for us, who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not just simply invited to watch this heavenly choir sing praises, glory to God in the highest, but we also are invited to participate and join the choir of angels and celebrate and sing and praise and glory and honor the one who's been given to us. This invitation extended to all people, no matter how poorly you can sing, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you're guilty of, Christ in his life made friends with the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, those who are healthy and those who are not, those who are highly esteemed and those who are despised by offering the forgiveness of their sins, which is received by making Christ their Savior by faith. And then all are invited to participate with the heavenly angels in glorifying Christ. Because this season is more focused on material objects, let us then be, make every effort to be intentional in making much of Christ. And making much of Christ, secondly, run the race for the prize. We run the race for the prize. As we run this race, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, there are certainly many distractions. There's so many advertisements that seek to lure us away, keep us away from fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the cheap, the cheap sinful pleasures of the world and the flesh. So how do we keep our eyes fixed on the prize? First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 5.19 commands us to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks unto the Lord regularly keeps us focused and not distracted by the advertisements of the world. How often do you thank the Lord? Is it only on special holidays? Is it only when we come together on Sunday mornings? Is thanking the Lord, would you say that gratefulness characterizes your heart? Gratitude is a Christian response to what Christ has done for us on the cross. And thanksgiving functions 
as a constant reminder to us that God is ultimately the one who is the great dispenser of every good gift that we have. And it serves to remind us of the most precious gift that we receive, and that is Jesus Christ who has been given unto us. And so regardless of what you receive or you don't receive this holiday season, make every effort to maintain a thankful heart unto the Lord. That's just thinking about the prize and making much of Christ and not being distracted by the things of the world, you would do well in thinking well of others. And I know that this is typically a holiday season where it's sort of natural to us to think of others because it's a celebration. It's a holiday season when we do, or it is about thinking about others. But for believers, for Christians, the reason why we want to think of others, the reason why we give gifts to others is because we first and foremost recognize that much has been given to us. That God gave a great deal to us in sending his son to us to live, to die, to rise again from the dead for our salvation. And it is that gift that then frees us and enables us and compels us and woos us to think of others. And not just thinking about family members and friends, which we naturally do, but we would also do well in thinking of others who perhaps we might expect may not receive much at all this holiday season or may not have family and friends to celebrate with or whose holiday season may be marked with a measure of sorrow because it reminds them of a loved one that they have lost in the past Think well of others. Think of those that most people might not be thinking of during the holiday season. And make them a priority. Let them know that you are thinking of them or praying for them. Or even just presenting, even just a small gift to let them know, hey, I know you, I see you, and I appreciate you. We want to continue to be fixed on the prize and not be distracted by the advertisements of the world, simply to stop shopping for sin. Whatever sins might entangle you today, whatever sins you're struggling with today, whatever it is that you are exchanging to buy the cheap pleasures of sin, let this be a season when that ceases. Instead, as Romans 12 says, commands us, present your body, your life, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your act of spiritual worship. Thirdly, worship and participate with God's people. Romans 12.15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a commandment. We are commanded to rejoice with one another. And so that's why we come Sunday mornings to rejoice with God's people, to make much of Jesus Christ, to prize Him as our greatest gift. Let us follow the example of the first church where it tells us that they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And in this way, they show the great value of the gospel, the great value of Jesus Christ as Savior. 
And so let us make much of Jesus Christ by not doing anything less than what they did. And lastly, be intentional in prizing Christ during the holidays. Be intentional in your home. What can you do to think more on the birth of Christ and what has been gifted unto you? How can you display the worth of Christ in your home? If you were to invite a stranger into your home, would they be able to immediately tell that these people, that this person, that this family worships and prizes Christ? Perhaps consider an Advent reading to read as a couple, to think more on Jesus Christ during the holiday season. If you have children in the home, consider teaching your children, walking with them through the birth narrative, reminding them and teaching them that the reason why we celebrate most during the holiday season is because of what God has given to us, namely in sending his son to be our precious and dear savior. During the holiday season, you will go out to see families. I would encourage you to try to get people into your own home. The reason being because when you're in your own home, you can do whatever you want. So that you can pray. If you have many family members who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say, hey, we make much of Christ in our home. We value Christ. Christ is our Savior. And so we want to pray. Now, you may not like it, but we do whatever we want in our home as we decide that we want to pray. Think about the people that you're going to be meeting with during this holiday season. And begin now to pray for them if they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for those opportunities. Pray for the boldness, the courage to share the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who have yet to believe in his name. Pray before those events when you will see those individuals. So let us make every effort to make much of Christ during the holiday season. And by way of response, let us take communion together this morning. So if you have yet uh, to do so, you are free to, at this time, to walk towards the back. You'll find a table back there where you'll find these communion cups. We take this, we take communion, we take this meal because Christ has instituted it to be a reminder of the covenant of grace that he so preciously acquired for us through his death and resurrection. We take this as a reminder to us of what Christ has done for us, and we also take this as something that points us to the great banquet that is waiting for us. We've already received the invitation to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you believe in the gospel you've received, you've accepted the invitation, now all that awaits is for the date to come. And the scriptures assure us that Jesus Christ will certainly one day come. And he will gather up all his people and we will be joined together in this great banquet where we can make much of and celebrate Christ and what he has done for us. And this morning, as we take this meal, this is also an act of celebration and worship as we think and reflect on what Christ has done for us. So regardless of whether or not you are a member here at Seacoast Community Church or not, if you are a believer, if you believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, if your life is characterized by the holiness that God requires, not perfect sinlessness, which is impossible in this life, but if your, if your life is characterized by a turning away from sin and a turning to Christ, 
regularly confessing your sins and trusting in Jesus and the forgiveness that he's purchased for you, and you've received <clears throat> excuse me, baptism, then you are invited to take this meal as a brother or sister in Christ. But if you have yet <clears throat> excuse me, to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and have embraced this gift, then we ask that you not take this meal with us, for this meal is given only unto believers and those who take it in an unworthy manner. 1 Corinthians warns that they will drink a particular judgment upon themselves. But even as we take this meal, consider what you've heard this morning. Consider the gospel. Consider this gift that has been given unto the world, a great news. And today can be their day of salvation. Today can be the day when you can apprehend this gift by faith. And we pray that that would be. Because this gift is useful. It is useful to spare you from the wrath of God because of your sins. So we pray that as you consider the holiday season, whether or not you will receive gifts, no matter what it is that you receive, this can be the most precious gift that you receive this holiday season. Trust in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Confess your sins to the Lord and ask Him to be the Savior of your life. And you will be forgiven of your sins. You will receive this gift. You will be invited to participate and celebrate this great gift. And one day you will be joined with all the heavenly hosts in worshiping and praising God forever and ever and ever with all of God's saints. So we'll read a passage of Scripture, and then we will take the bread, and afterwards we will read another passage of Scripture, we'll take the cup, and then I'll conclude with a prayer, and we will conclude with one more song of response. In 1 Corinthians 11, it tells us, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Let us take this bread together. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Let's take this together and take a moment to pause and reflect. Father, we thank you for this great and precious gift that you've given unto us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this great sacrifice that you've made on our behalf. Lord, it would take an eternity to express to you our gratitude. 
And Lord, we, we long for the day to be united with you in heaven and to spend all of eternity expressing through our lives our great gratitude for what Christ has done for us. But Lord, let us not wait until that day. Let us be grateful today. Let us start now in expressing our deepest thanks for what you have done for us. Help us to express our gratitude by our worship, by making much of Christ in our lives, in our homes, through our families, by thinking of others, by forsaking the sins that seek to entangle us and giving ourselves to the holiness that you have purchased for us and that you require of us, that you enable us to walk through your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we trust you for these things. We love you, O Lord, for who you are and what you have done for us and what you continue to do. Help us to make much of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In response, let us uh, stand and worship one more time together. Amen.
Father, you are worthy of our praise. Worthy of our praise. Father, how we long for the coming of Jesus. Father, I I, I pray this morning that we may fix our eyes on you, O Lord. Through worship, remind us, Father, that much has been given to us. And so let us humbly share that good news, Lord, this season with others. May we be intentional in displaying that and sharing the prize on which we have been given, Lord, Jesus, our Savior. And may we, as we learn today, just make much of Christ this season um, in our home uh, and with those around us in, in, in this world. You're worthy of our praise, God. Worthy of our praise. And we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The Word of God says, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. You're dismissed.